This is GDC Podcast, episode three. Remixing the radio host voice a little bit. I should super. This is GDC Podcast, <laughs> episode three. Hey everybody, we are back. I am Chris Graft, Editor-in-Chief of Gamma Sutra. I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa McAloon. Hello, I'm Alyssa. I am the news editor over at Gamma Sutra. You are. You're also the associate publisher. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, you explained that my job is to stare at the website all day recently. Yeah, yeah. That is actually, that was the <laughs> only requirement on the job description. Must be willing to stare at a uh, the, indus- game industry website for the refrigerator uh, in control. You just gotta make sure nothing bad happens. Oh yeah. Oh, I haven't gotten to the refrigerator in uh, in control. Oh well, spoilers. Yeah, there's a refrigerator in control. It's it's been it's been spoiled. Um, <laughs> you fight a refrigerator and everybody hates it. <laughs> welcome, uh, welcome back. Uh, so yeah, this is episode three. Uh, we haven't been canceled yet by the big wigs at Game Developers Conference. <laughs> <laughs> we have managed to uh, stagger our way through two, and hopefully we can make it through three without any major, you know. Yeah, no, I feel like that's the way to jinx it, to like knock on wood or whatever superstition you subscribe to right there. We are doing so good. It's perfect. <laughs> this is going to be the longest lasting podcast ever created. So before we get into our next guest, our next guest is uh, is is huge, by the way. Uh, she's just uh, basically, uh, I mean, she's Forbes thirty under thirty. I never got that. It's too late for me. <laughs> you still, you still have. You I've still got have, uh, two years to do something impressive. So we'll see if that. <laughs> yeah, clock's ticking. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and she's also she was. Uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything yet, but she was also uh, the IGF host. Um, you know, the Indie Independent Games Festival host in, uh, I'm not going to even tell you the year because, you know, that's going to give it away, but it was pretty recent. And, uh, and she's even a, a multiple times GDC speaker. So, um, yeah, but we're not going to quite bring her in yet. Uh, what have you been up to, Alyssa? What have you been playing? I uh, got my PC back up and running after it was uh, out of commission. I killed my motherboard somehow. Um, don't <laughs> How'd know you how, do yeah. that? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I hope it doesn't happen again because I got a new one that I spent a lot of money on. Yeah, you know, you're not supposed to just pour water on your computer, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm learning that. Like, I've been I've I've done that coasters before. when I set yeah. things on top of my computer from now on, I think. Yeah, that's good. That's that's how I do it now too. I, I no one told me that you're not supposed <laughs> to pour water directly on electronics. Just a pro gamer tips here at the GDC podcast. Yeah, yeah. This is for game developers and uh, you know just uh, if you want random tips on <laughs> electronic. No, I uh, was talking to someone on Twitter.com the other day, and they reminded me that Disco Elysium comes out. So I like stayed up until eleven putting the pile of parts I'd compiled into my computer and getting everything working just so I could play this game today. <laughs> Yeah, wow. And uh, that's that's made by, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Z-A-U-M, Zaum. Yeah, Zaum. But there's also like a slash in, right in the middle. It's very so, stylish, just yeah. like the game. Yeah, the game is very stylish. What do you find stylish about Disco Elysium from Zaum? Uh, it's got that good art. So I've, I think we've both only managed to play like 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes of it on our lunch breaks today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's got really stylish looking art. The writing is like... 
it's like being at a cool little poetry night that a friend of yours invited you to and just that kind of like jazzy feel to it and yeah. the voice acting's great and the first 15 minutes of that game super fun yeah yeah it, it is kind of poetic it's it's also got it's got prose for days uh and yeah i so far i've had a uh a tie speak to me it, it like lets you get in your own head and you know you have this inner voice that's that's talking to you and you talk to it and apparently inanimate objects uh talk to you as well I, yeah, I, I, and i like the unexpected weirdness of it yeah no it's really weird how like conversations come out of nowhere and like because it's uh rpg depending on how you build your character at the beginning it's got that kind of like fallout 2-esque where if you just like have zero intelligence you will just try to hit things with a rock instead of like opening doors it's like got that kind of writing but on this really like really really poetic and it's just good yeah i'm looking forward to putting some more time into that yeah so big gdc news this week registration is open you can actually go buy some tickets and go now well not you can't go now I mean, you could plan ahead a little bit. Just show yeah, up <laughs> incredibly early. Punctuality is important, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try not to show up uh, five months early. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, shoot for yeah. March. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, shooting for March. So uh, that stuff is all live on the website now at gdconf.com. And uh, speaking of other GDC things, which we kind of like to do here on the morning announcements... Are uh we're we're on YouTube now, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the far, yeah, the pod the podcast. Well, us also, but uh, so yeah. far the first two episodes are live up there, and this one will be once it's live probably as well too. Uh, episode one is talking to Grant Shankweiler about game production, and episode two is talking to Matthew Burns about designing neat and compelling choices. So, you should give them both a listen. They're really insightful. Give them a listen, and then give them a thumbs up. And oh, yeah. then, uh, like, subscribe, and uh, the bell icon is YouTube's thing, right? Yeah. I don't, yes. I, don't, I don't YouTube a ton, but... Oh, you're not a professional YouTuber then. No, no, only the GDC YouTube channel. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you know what else happened as far as GDC stuff? GDC stuff happened. We, <laughs> we, we closed out the IGF submissions. We ended up getting 550 entries. So that is off to the judging process that's a lot of that's a lot of that's games so, yeah no i i know a few people i think were igf judges that were talking about it and just kind of like cracking their knuckles to sit down at the keyboard because that's a lot of games to go through yeah do you think they crack the knuckles Let me see i mean I you, you have to for like cinematic effect right you do the little like flex then you start like hacker that's man how i start every work day typing at your keyboard yeah yeah, yeah and you know there's a, like submissions of clothes like i've seen you know the talks that i'm I can't talk about any of this, uh, but there's just going to be a lot of really cool talks at GDC 2020. Uh, I was not paid to say that specifically. <laughs> I'm literally part, you know, I, I literally get paid uh, from by the company that, that runs GDC. So uh, I guess, but but I really believe that. Yeah, GDC 2020 has some really cool stuff coming up, and I, I frankly cannot wait. And GDC kicks off on March 16th of 2020, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's March 16th off. to the 20th. It's practically here. Oh my gosh. I don't like yeah. that. Well, I do like that, but like the concept of time mean. moving too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Well, 
speaking of of moving um i think that we should get our next guest on Alyssa and i are kind of excited about this one right yeah yeah this is kind of uh does does indie game dev have royalty uh (laughs) is it what kind of system political system does it use i would say that if there was some kind of royalty or, or monarchy um our next guest would qualify no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a plebe. Oh, there, 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 there she is. <laughs> Don't so, worry, I'm just a scrub. <laughs> okay, um, our, our next guest, we're very excited for this scrub. Uh, she is known for making uh, these brilliant and intensely personal games. Uh, she is currently a game designer at uh, Tacoma developer Fulbright while also doing uh, these these other really great uh, personal games uh, known for the IGF Nuovo Award uh, winning Sybil, which is a game about falling in love in an online game. Uh, how do you do it where you like take dolls and you try to figure out um, how they do it sexually? Um, <laughs> and, and also, Recently released the really great vignette formatted game called We Met in May. So uh, here we go. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Nina Freeman. Thank you. Happy to be here. So uh, for people who aren't, uh, you know, uh, familiar with you Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they should be. Can you talk a little bit about your background in game development? Sure. Um, I... So yeah, like you said, right now I'm a game designer at Fulbright in Portland, Oregon. And before that, I was based in New York City. So that's kind of where I got my start. Um, My way back background is in English literature. Uh, I did like a lot of poetry stuff back when I was in school. And then I got kind of into the New York City game development scene through some friends who were doing like indie game stuff at the time. Um, and through them, I like got super involved with going to like game jams in New York and different events like baby castle stuff and whatnot. Um, and that's kind of how I got started was just going to these things with my friends and making tiny games with them and participating in local events and stuff. Um, and yeah, even like a lot of the early stuff I was working on was still like personal stuff not all of it was because you know I'm doing game jams with my friends but I was really into like personal writing and poetry so I I, since that's what I was doing and that's how I learned to write I sort of instantly brought that over into into my game development life Um, and during that time that's when I worked on how do you do it with a bunch of my friends in New York and a bunch of other games Sybil sort of came out of that as well although I ended up working on that pretty heavily when I was in grad school at NYU yeah. and their integrated digital media program. And then shortly after I got a job at Fulbright and worked on Tacoma as a level designer and still worked on my own personal projects on the side, again, with lots of different friends. Um, I always work with sort of different teams on each side project. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing Fulbright stuff and otherwise keeping up with my smaller games work on the side. So that's that's sort of my background. Great. 
Yeah, so uh, all of you aspiring game developers listening right now, that's exactly uh, how you get into the game industry, and uh, that's how you just have to do it. Call it beat for beat and guaranteed success. Solved. It's always interesting to hear how many like people in games... I'm an, a former English major. I graduated with an English for New Media degree, and I think like two other people at Gama Sutra are too, and a bunch of like people in games, so it's always interesting mm-hmm. to see how that like spirals out into different careers in game development. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, what else? I mean, I also have an English degree, uh, I, and then I, I end up doing. I'm doing a podcast now, uh, so I guess you know this. It's also how you get into podcasts. So English degrees, game dev, or podcasting. Uh, that's how. That's how you. Very do it. multifaceted. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting also just academia uh, leading into this career. Uh, mm-hmm. There are lots of young people. There's there's always that question. You know, do I need to get a like a game design degree or game development degree to does that improve my chances of becoming a game developer or does it matter uh i think it it really depends on the situation um i mean school in general is like always going to be good right like you know getting an education is good but it can be super expensive so like the only reason i was able to do undergrad and then grad school was because of like the immense amount of financial aid I got um because I did not come from a rich family (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh so I was really lucky in that sense um but I think like go to school if you can afford it and you're not going to completely be like in debt for the rest of your life and if you you know can't really afford it there's a lot of other ways to build up what you would get from school. I think the the best thing you can get out of school for games is like a portfolio and a body of work. Um, And also like being a part of a social space where developers are giving each other feedback. I think those are the two most important things that you can get out of school, but you can find that just in the real world too. Like I had that when I was getting into the game scene in New York, just because there was so many like community events, not like, that weren't academia related. Um, and I really got my start making games in that environment where I was like just with friends, people in school and people not in school at local stuff. Um, so I think it, it really depends on your situation, but I wouldn't put yourself in debt for school personally. Um, just make stuff like ship stuff, put it online, meet people, get feedback, actively seek that stuff out and just like build a portfolio if you're in school or not um for some people school makes that a lot easier and if you need that that's totally fine but uh yeah don't don't uh don't go into too much debt (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's tricky it's a tricky thing it is yeah uh so let's talk about your games a little bit um i i had played sybil in the past but i hadn't played all the way through it because i just uh I don't know. I just get I have the attention span of a caterpillar or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I did actually play through it recently again, and it's, you know, it's completely brilliant. Can you kind of, uh, can you explain the, the background of that game for people who aren't familiar with it and uh, what you were trying to do with it? Yeah. Um, so Sybil sort of, the beginning of it actually hilariously happened when I was in school. I was at NYU in grad school and I was in 
Bennett Foddy's prototype studio class, which was the class mm-hmm. where we made a game a week for a whole semester. Like it was like a game jam a week, basically. Um, each week had a theme. Uh, one of the weeks, uh, my friend Francesca and I were like, let's have the theme be sex. We just decided we want it to be because we make games about that. So we forced that theme on the class, which was funny. Uh, mm-hmm. And so out of that theme came um, the idea for Sybil. And I made like a little prototype for it, which was really cool. And I was into it and wanted to work on it more. And Bennett encouraged me to work on it more. And I had a bunch of friends who I'd been jamming with. So uh, Emmett Butler and Decky Koss, who had both done How Do You Do It With Me. Um, Emmett doing a lot of code with me. And uh, Decky was the um, musician, sound designer. And I did design stuff. Um, so I, I took the prototype to them and was like, hey, do you want to work with me again? And then uh, Rebecca Dunlap came on. She's a, an illustrator in New York, really talented, and I knew her. So I invited her to work on it, too. So it started out as like a small project that came out of a class. Uh, I decided to do it for my thesis. It's based on my real experience playing Final Fantasy XI as a <laughs> like teenager and falling in love with this guy and him and I met up and had sex. And that was the first time either of us had sex and... And then, yeah, the game is about how he kind of just, like, bounces after that. And it's... Oh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. (laughs) Well, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard game to spoil because it's more about the details, I think. Um, The mechanics and design of it are kind of inspired by games like Gone Home, which are games where you experience the story through the things you find in the space. Um, It's a combination of that with a, a lot of sort of voiceover stuff, so... That's kind of how that game got started. What did the what did the prototype for Sybil because it, it's like simulating, you know, it's your desktop, you mm-hmm. know, quote unquote. Um, what did what did that game in its early stages look like? Uh, so the prototype was like a little pixel art two D um, game that was basically the same as what ended up being like the game in a game of Sybil. So if Mm -hmm. people haven't played it in Sybil, it's like you're playing as this girl who's playing an online game and you have access to her desktop and then you also play the online game she's playing with this guy she likes. So the prototype was the online game part of that. Um, And in the prototype, it was all... I didn't really have time for voice. It was like a little voice, so it was like some voiceover of her talking and then text from him in in the chat, like you know, the fictional chat in the game. Um, And there was just like a little conversation of them flirting and you would just walk around and like kill enemies and his NPC didn't really do anything because I didn't have time in a week to like make an AI (laughs) or or, like even a scripted character. Um, So yeah, it was just a really simple expression of that that online game aspect of of what Sybil ended up being. so it's so interesting because you feel like you're playing with this person, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, the way that you describe it, you know, it's, you know, kind of a simple idea. Uh, it captures but, a lot of like, if you, I've played, like I've had partners that I've bond, like communicated with normally through just playing online games together, playing Destiny together for like hours and hours and hours. And like, it captures the thing where the games kind of becomes background noise to mm-hmm. the actual like conversations and relationships developing mm-hmm. through that. And like, that was captured very well in your game. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to. Sh- <laughs> I always, I think MMOs are funny because I think they're like super. It's easy to forget how simple they are. Like if you strip back all the layers of like 
different leveling systems, different job classes, different whatever. Like in the end, a lot of them are just like, you click on stuff to kill it. Uh, yeah. So I also kind of wanted to make a parody of how that's really what a lot of those old MMOs are. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I was trying yeah, to capture that for sure. You, you called it out in the writing too. Just like, what are we doing right now? We're yeah. just smashing stuff. <laughs> I mean, after I played Final Fantasy XI from like age 14 to 19, like a lot. So oh. I I was fully prepared to like get down and make fun of it, even though it's a game <laughs> I adore. But you know, when you think about a lot of games like that, it's like a lot of it really is a lot of the interesting parts of it come out of the social interactions you have. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they're really simple games actually makes socializing a lot easier, I think. And that's like an interesting thing about those games. Um, that comes out of the simplicity of the mechanics. And I, I was like excited about that when working on Sybil for sure. Yeah. Alyssa, are you an MMO person? Uh, I have tried to be in failed several times. <laughs> I, played, <laughs> I played Final Fantasy XI when I was like an early teen with no money to afford the monthly uh, subscription fee. And my mom wasn't very receptive to, you want to pay this money every month to play a video game. So that one <laughs> didn't last very long. <laughs> Oh, but come like, on, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like Destiny, though, and like uh, how more and more live games are kind of becoming the modern MMO in a way, where you're, those communities now form around these games that I don't know can be played single player, but you can just kind of like tune them out and play the multiplayer, just go in these loops forever without having to commit like eighty hours to beating the primary story of Final Fantasy fourteen or something. And uh, it's nice. Yeah. Video games are good. I, I don't. I don't know how. Um, I don't know why I can't either. Well, I kind of know why I haven't gotten into. I have a friend who's like has been really on and off into World of Warcraft since it first came out. And every time I try to play with him, like I'll I'll skip a day playing with him. And the next thing I know, you know, I play with him and he's like level like a million on like a flaming (laughs) uh, awesome horse mount with all this. I was like, what? It's like, oh, yeah, I played it for 24 hours straight since last. It's like, well, now there's nothing for me to do. It's going to be like a little wimpy, wimpy guy. And uh, I just then I I just feel like I missed out. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I think I'm just old, too. It's it's interesting, too. uh, Speaking of being old, uh, like being a 30, 39 year old dad playing Sybil um and you're kind of uh i don't know it's like you you end up um you you empathize with it in a different way than you would if i was you know a young woman um where we talked about this a little bit ahead of (laughs) in dms where you're like oh my dad like instincts are just going crazy and i'm like no the the tone of this i have talked to these guys online before i have had this guy being like you want to send me a picture and i'm like it's too real and i didn't like it in that way (laughs) And uh, so to kind of talk about that, um, the uh, the personal nature of your games, you know, mm. uh, people are, people are making more of them. Like, what is your what do you feel like is your process for making a game that is just so incredibly personal and, mm-hmm. and autobiographical? I am the type of game designer that really likes sort of a research driven process. So for Sybil, for example, um, I'm like a notorious archiver of everything in my life. And so I have this flash drive with like everything from all my computers since I was a teenager. So I was able to like go back and read a lot of like actual conversations I had back then, like with my online friends and with the guy that the game is like based on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a lot of like, you know, 
source material to draw on. And then I also like went on the Wayback Machine and dug up some of my old blogs and stuff from even earlier than the game, just to like give myself some context to like get in the character's head to like write that voice accurately. Um, and I even I actually found on YouTube a video of my old Final Fantasy XI Link shell doing this like big fight so I could hear that <laughs> wow. guy's voice again. Um, and so I, I even found that. So I like gather, when I do a personal game, I gather as much like real stuff as I can, especially if it's something that happened a long time ago. Um, although with something like more new, like we met in May, which is about myself and like my current partner, Jake, like the research for that is a little different. It's mostly like conversations between us about like whatever the dates we've been on. Because there's not as much of like a digital trail left by that game because mm -hmm. it's like about real physical dates we went on. We have like pictures from them and stuff. Um, so that helps. But yeah, I try to like research in whatever way is appropriate for like the kind of game I'm making. Um, when, when you're yeah. like using yourself as a character, like. Mm -hmm. Uh, feeling like writing something autobiographical about events you've been through, it would be really easy to just kind of be like, here's my, here's my recollection of that, and that's mm -hmm. how it is. But, like, things are so much more multifaceted than that. Like, mm -hmm. when you're using your past self as a character, how do you kind of, like, detach from your current self in order to mm. make that as accurate or true as possible? It depends on the topic, but for something more serious like Sybil, uh, or, like, you know, an emotionally painful memory... I have to, like, give it a lot of time. So I, like, d didn't even consider writing that until I think it was, like, it had been, like, eight years since I had had that experience. Um, and then maybe a little, maybe, like, seven. Um, and then I'm, like, I think I have enough critical distance from it to, like, look back and be able to, like, look at myself in, like, third person <laughs> and, like, not like it's me and not have any, like, emotional investment in it. Yeah. Um, so the timing depends on the specific situation or memory I'm drawing on, but I try to like, or I make sure I have like the critical distance from it to like look at it for what it was. Um, and also the source material helps a lot with that because if I have real text to draw on, I just use that and like I'll edit it so it makes more sense. But like a lot of Sybil is just literally things I said or mm -hmm. things that that guy said. So yeah, I... Oh. I have that kind of like, I don't even talk about myself in the first person when I make games like that. It's always like I talk about Nina, like as if she's someone else. So mm -hmm. that helps. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so you just, uh, basically copy paste all the chat logs. and then <laughs> Some of them the were game. actually pretty much copy pasted. Uh, wow. not all of them. Most of it was pretty edited. Cause like with something like that, there's like a lot that happens and is said between two people that can kind of like distract from the point of the story or like the emotional tones I'm trying to hit. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of like filtering out of like things that were really said, but really didn't matter in the end um, that I can recognize now that I'm like so far out of it. Um, yeah. Whereas when you're in the moment, you're like picking on every single little detail and trying to read into everything, or at least that's kind of how I was at that yeah. age. Uh, yeah. But now I can take that story and like distill it into something more straightforward. So I guess yeah. that's like another element of the process. It's also interesting because you're like now a couple times removed from the original experience. Mm -hmm. Is it weird for you to talk about the about these personal games that are about a specific period in your life about a specific thing? Mm. I'm so used to talking about them that it doesn't really <laughs> phase me anymore. <laughs> okay. I don't. 
I mean, when I'm working on them, I don't like, I don't know, it sounds weird, but I have a very like distant approach. Like I don't, I'm not like emotionally involved in it at all, really. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing it for the art of it. Um, And that's not true for everything I've made. Like Sybil is one example, but like, I think when I made Freshman Year, which is a story about like a sort of like sexual assault situation I was in, that was like a little more emotional and I couldn't remove myself from it as easily. Um, But even then I can still like talk about it. I think a lot of it just comes with experience too, just like Mm -hmm. getting used to talking about this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was was gonna ask, but now the question, you know, doesn't make as much sense. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, I was gonna ask, you know, was it ever difficult for you to put yourself out there in the way that you do through your games? But I guess it just depends on the subject matter. Yeah, it definitely depends on the subject. And also, I benefited a lot from (laughs) my English (laughs) degree, Mm -hmm. actually. Uh, Well, because I took a lot of I did poetry, like was my focus. So I was in a lot of like poetry writing, like creative writing classes. And in those, you know, you're like sharing your work face to face with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And our my professor, Charles North, he like was having us write a lot of personal work. So at a really like pretty young age, I was already talking about like pretty like personal and like sometimes dark stuff like to classmates I wasn't even close with. Um, And I think that experience made it a lot easier for me to do in the end. That was like the practice that I got that prepared me to do it on a larger scale. Ever, was anyone ever like, geez, Nina? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, everyone was writing like intense stuff, you know, yeah. English majors. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, I do. Flashing back to a very specific <laughs> yeah. day in my poetry class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what is it about, um, you know, relationships and sexuality that um, lend themselves to game mechanics i mean i can imagine some answers to this but you know it can kind of be like a taboo topic too like talking about sexuality and romance just as they are and the goods and the bads but also like based on real situations it's like oh my gosh but well i mean again i think i got used to it in the poetry time i actually remember we like had this whole like erotic poetry thing that we were doing at this at school and like so that got me more used to it but anyway Regardless, I had the experience coming into it, which helped, but more related to, like, game design. I, my biggest interest as a game designer is games that, like, help you embody a character. And I think player character embodiment is, like, a very perform, it's a performative thing. So it's almost like theater, like, you're playing as the character, almost like you're on a stage. And that's, that was kind of the motivation behind the design of Sybil. For example, um, where, you know, it's like first person, you're supposed to be like at her computer as her doing all these things. Like it's like role playing, but more in a theatrical sense in my mind. It's like zero, Um, zero person. You're you're like the the person. It's your desktop. Yeah. Um, And a part of that process for me is always like, I think the memories I like to draw on the best for like personal games, especially are things that have a very like physical element that. I think could translate well into game mechanics. So I like to have the story first and find a game mechanic in the story. So in Sybil, it's the act of like sitting at the computer, looking through your files and playing the game. That is like a physical experience. Um, and, and that's how those mechanics came out of that. Or in How Do You Do It, 
the physicality of like playing with your dolls and moving them around in silly and awkward ways and the physical experience of that. Um, and I haven't done that kind of design for like literally everything I've done, but it's one of my big interests. And I think, you know, sex and relationships and sexuality, like there's lots of sort of stories within that space that are so physical. So I think there's a lot of territory to be explored there mechanically. Um, I think one thing I noticed when I did like a quick brush up on like as many of your games as I could find this morning, just to make sure it was all fresh and um, going through uh, We Met in May and how each of the different vignettes has their own kind of mechanic that goes with it. But the mechanics feel very tied to kind of the absurdity or the romance or the intimacy of the situation. And that Mm -hmm. just all comes across as like, the mechanics as the vehicle for narrative versus kind of like a game where it would distract you from the narrative or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I've gone both directions. Like Kimmy is a game I worked on. That's more of like a visual novel style game, which is another genre I really like. So just depends on what you're going for. But I think it's exciting to like look for the, the mechanics in the story. Like how can you have the player like step into the character's shoes and like actually perform as them? Um, in a physical way so yeah yeah i i played i played through we met in may this morning uh and it's hilarious yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's just um yeah i mean the it's already like kind of uh you know on on game blogs and game sites so no, no spoilers but you do <laughs> tweak uh nina's boyfriend's nipples in it while he's <laughs> trying trying to make a make a meal yep. and it's just so just so funny like how uh, how evocative it is like with emotions like it's it's so playful can you talk about incorporating this playfulness and how mm. you zero in on that i so first we met in may yeah jake and i made it together and we we had all these fun dates and like one of our first dates was this one that where we were at the beach and we discovered we both really like sand and like rolling around in the sand and stuff, which a lot of people think is weird apparently, but <laughs> I grew up like right next to a beach. So I'm like, I don't know. It's just like what I always did. And he did too. So we like bonded over that. And then we were like talking about that experience with some friends. They were making fun of us for liking sand. And we were like, oh yeah, like that would make a pretty interesting game. And then we could like show people that liking sand isn't weird. <laughs> so <laughs> like the idea came from like kind of a playful place for us. Um, and like we, we, especially as someone like me who have made a lot of like kind of darker games about romance and stuff, I wanted to really try getting back into like the comedic and lighter side of things like what we had done with how do you do it back in the day for example um that's like a much more light-hearted game yeah. uh even though it tackles something kind of serious in a way uh so yeah jake and i were like yeah let's like pick find find some dates we've been on that we thought were really funny or memorable in some way and like see what was funny and memorable about those and translate them into a game and find the game mechanics in in those moments so we came into it with like romantic comedy as a goal um so we're glad it comes across (laughs) yeah it it definitely does um so the the in your games there's always this uh like visually it just fits everything is so cohesive um what are you what are your what are your thoughts on you know uh, the aesthetics of mm. uh, and how that plays into the storytelling aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you can talk about specific games like, like how, like how do you do it? 
or you know anything yeah uh so for all the different games i've worked on it's usually a lot of them have been with like many different artists like i haven't Mm -hmm. worked with the same artist multiple times just just because of like these being like side projects and all of us many of them being done when i was a student and stuff you know it's i wasn't like building a company or like anything like that yet so it was just like which my friends wants to make a game today (laughs) kind of thing uh but i like I always would reach out to artists whose work I really liked and I'm not, I try not to be the type of designer that like micromanages an artist. I kind of just like, you know, if I am into someone's style, I'm working with them for that reason and we usually relate over that. So uh, yeah, my collaborative process with artists is always like, I just like what you do, do that with me, please. Um, but out of that comes a lot of really cool stuff. So like, how do you do it is a good example. Um, Marina Kataka did the art for that game and yeah. she, I actually did work with her a couple times. Um, she, uh, released Anodyne 2 recently with Sean. Um, they, they're a, a pair of game developers that have been working on stuff. We're like old friends. It's funny. We all like, I know Marina through yeah. Sean, who's a friend from New York. So anyway, small world of game developers. Marina's great. Anodyne 2 is super good. She is a super talented artist with a really good eye for design stuff too, game design stuff and writing. So when we were working on that game, I would I like storyboarded what I had envisioned for how do you do it. And actually, originally, it was more focused on the hands um, mm-hmm. and the dolls in, in her hands. But Marina came back to me with a reverse view that included her face because she was like, I really want to draw her expressions because I think that that is super evocative um, Mm -hmm. for this concept. And I was like, great. Yeah, sounds perfect. Like, I'm so glad that you thought of that because that really makes the game what it is. Um, So, yeah, my process with artists has always been really collaborative in that way for the design, too, because the visual design of the games matters a lot uh, to me. Oh yeah, so, yeah. It, it's um, it, it's funny too how in your games there, uh, you add like a point system, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it doesn't really like it's unclear of how exactly it works. <laughs> they uh, all have a logic behind them, but it's uh, not like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it seems like kind of like <laughs> poking fun at the gamification of things sometimes, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I like I don't know. I think to me as a game designer, it's important to not take traditional game mechanic expectations too seriously because i think it's more interesting if you try and like poke fun at them or use them in a weird way so yeah i i try i do my best to like try doing that where it makes sense and yeah i've done that a lot with like scores because i think they're yeah. silly <laughs> yeah I, I, I was pretty proud of my uh my high score on uh we met in may when i was uh <laughs> putting clothes or when you were putting clothes on i was playing yeah they come out and then just uh then jake just goes ragdoll so that, yeah, yeah so this is how it works like apparently nina and jake went on a date where she's trying clothes on at a, a clothes shop and then she comes out of the dressing room and then depending on how you come out of the dressing room uh, which you can choose. Uh, you'll just literally blow her boyfriend off of his feet, and he, his 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 <laughs> character model, yeah, just yeah, damaged numbers come up, and he just goes ragdoll. Uh, so like a hidden leaderboard somewhere for whoever has tweaked the nips the most times. Or... I, w- I would have loved to do that. I mean, some of this stuff actually also comes down to like scope or like time. Yeah. So we there's actually like a ton of other stuff I wanted to do. And we met in May that we just like literally didn't have time for because it's like 
we're both so busy. Actually, Jake also started working at Fulbright recently, so it's, like, hilarious how <laughs> we both, like, started having really, like, you know, working a day job and making a game on the side is pretty hard. Um, so mm-hmm. they're... The silliness of the scoring also sometimes comes out of like, well, I don't have too much time to think about this. So what's like the funniest thing that comes to mind first? Uh, And yeah, so sometimes the the smaller the scope, the sillier your game might end up, (laughs) turns out. Uh, Both uh, We Met in May and, oh, what was the other one? I wrote it down. Uh, Game Jam Games. Uh, Both started as Game Jam. Sybil, right? Uh, Sybil, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What, well, I guess... How many game jam games have you put together all together, and like, what's the the secret sauce for mm. taking the concept of a jam game and making it a full its own thing? Mm. Um. Oh gosh, how many jam games have I made? Like so <laughs> many. I think honestly, almost all of the games I've worked on started at jams, just because I like working that way. So probably done like fourteen or fifteen game jams at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and oh god, actually way more than that because that prototype studio class was like a whole semester of game jams. Oh my so god. I actually don't even know. And like most of those aren't released. Yeah. Uh, Sybil came out of that and also Bum Rush, which was a game I did for <laughs> no quarter a long time ago. Um so I would say like game jams are really good because I think people can get caught up too much in the details or the implementation when working on a game when sometimes like the best game design can come out of like spontaneity and just like hacking something together and like taking the you know the shortest road to something playable Mm -hmm. um so i've always tried to have that approach where i like don't worry too much about the technicalities and just try to make something that people like either enjoy or like understand the story I'm trying to tell or whatever my goal is. What matters most to me is that I can put it in front of someone and have them like come away with whatever I intend. Um, And I think game jams are a really good way to like be quickly iterative because iteration I think is one of the most important things to game design. Um, It's like making something, putting it in front of a player, seeing how they react and then tailoring the game further um, based on that feedback you get. And doing that over and over and over until your game works. Uh, (laughs) So basically the game jam is usually like the first iteration of that and gives me at least a base to work with. Then maybe sometime I refactor it and not always. (laughs) Um, But regardless, like building it out after the jam just ends up being like more iteration like that. It's just maybe not as not all in one weekend, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. spread out in a more reasonable way. Suppose, um, like, starting a project in, like, a game jam where you are in a time, a fixed time window keeps you from, like, lingering too well on making one thing work just right or falling into those kind of fallacies. Yeah, yeah, or, like, trying too many things, because a lot of games fall apart from being just, like, too much stuff, mm-hmm. too many mechanics or whatever, and I think jams can, like, force you to be focused. Um, so that that's something that helps me a lot. Um and as someone who, like, has always had full-time jobs where, like, I'm doing other stuff, it also gives me deliberate time to, like, work on something outside of work. And sometimes, like, you know, as a busy adult or whatever, having that, like, time where I'm, like, explicitly just doing that one thing really helps me get it done. Yeah. And I care, first and foremost, really about finishing things. Um, I tend to, like... Even if I'm not happy with the jam game at the end, I'll just release it anyway, as long as my teammates are okay with it. Just because, like, I care a lot about, like, 
just like putting it out there and being like, it's done. <laughs> I don't like leaving things hanging. <laughs> so are, jams are, are great. You, are you somebody who is constantly like in the back of your mind? Oh, this could be a, a game. I do have like a bunch of notes on my phone and in various Google docs about mm-hmm. different game ideas I come up with while I'm just like walking around or whatever. But actually, you know, it's kind of a bummer. Like I used to have more of that when I was living in New York and walking around all the time. And ever since I moved to Portland, I'm not, it's not, it's still a walking city, but I find myself like having less ambient time just traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've like had less of that over the years and have had to like more deliberately like sit down and brainstorm occasionally. Um, I think leisure time is really important coming up with like, good ideas so i have to yeah. but i have to kind of i'm at a point in my life where i have to like schedule that in <laughs> you know so yeah. that's the game scheduling yeah. leisure time yeah, yeah. it's all it. spreadsheet secretly yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah well uh we're kind of winding down here uh so before you go i'm just uh just wanted to ask too for for people listening and people familiar with your work or who would like to you know do similar uh stuff you know that's that's personal um you know what what should people who want to make you know these kinds of really intensely personal games keep in mind Mm. i think familiarizing oneself with like other you know personal games that have been done like dysphoria for example was really Mm -hmm. big inspiration to me when i was getting started looking playing a lot of other games and like keeping up with that stuff can really help and just like seeing what's been done and making sure to not only do that but also look to other mediums because you know like poetry for example has a long history of personal writing um and you could say the same about film or painting or anything else um that has that kind of history like people do personal work all the time and i think it's important to engage with that work um just to like give yourself ideas and find inspiration. And when you do have those ideas, write them down and try to act on them. Um, Try to make something really small and finish it and like actually like release it and show it to people. Um, I think that that, that those two things, like the act of like engaging with other mediums and also being like looking at other games and making something small and finishing it and releasing it are like, two of the most important things yeah. at least in my in my experience and of course get an english degree like we all do <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm glad i got it but i'm always like i don't know it's interesting i like a lot of my friends like don't have any college degree and like i i think you can do games with or without it really doesn't matter all that matters is that you make stuff um and don't let anyone like look down on you if you don't have a degree or if you don't have a degree from an Ivy League or whatever, like what matters in the end is your work um, and like your create creative output and like that that stuff. So yeah. that that's my belief, um, especially like having been doing games for a while now. I never ask about people's academic history. I just look at what they've made and play their games, and that's what I react to. So yeah. yeah. Well, there you have it. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your day and uh, best of luck with, um, I'm sure you have multiple projects in the works and uh, we'll keep an eye out for them. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.
right, we're back. And uh, yeah, that's Nina's super interesting, right? Even though she considers herself a plebe scrub and not <laughs> indie royalty. A high-ranking plebe, plebe scrub. Yeah, no, I think for that, all of us to aspire to. Yeah, she she's absolutely a royalty. Yeah, what what did you what, what did you think about that? What were some of the things you you uh, that are just like just your mind is still reeling over right now? I just I like games that like the narrative just like knocks you off their feet, and like all of Nina's games seem to like accomplish that, where it feels like real people and real stories, and like I guess that's because they are based on real people yeah. and real stories. But like even when you do that, it's incredibly easy to lean into I don't know the idea of somebody or the idea of a situation and not have it feel authentic, but like. Yeah. All of hers do have that like authentic feel to them, maybe because she's able to kind of like look back and detach a little bit and go through her archives of teenage poetry and everything like that. That's the secret to writing yeah. good characters, maybe, is teenage poetry. But. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like total honesty and then turning it into a story that other people can experience and uh, her ability to compartmentalize things you know even what what's what kind of surprised me and, and maybe it shouldn't have uh for sybil that she basically went back and internet stalked herself <laughs> <laughs> so that she could remember this experience from several years ago the phrase uh way back machine to find form pose like sent a shiver through my spine <laughs> <laughs> yeah like oh my like i that, yeah, seriously, as you know, people who work on the internet, uh, there's just this crap that we've made or written just in all kinds of places, probably archived yeah. uh, in certain places. And just to think that, you know, actively going out and trying to find that. <laughs> uh, I think the like the current, like, I guess my generation, like right where right where I'm at, I think Nina and I are about the same age somewhere in mm-hmm. there where like. I feel like exposure to the internet started in about like the teenage years when like all all those hormones and drama was running high. So like that kind of like weird artifact of your entire like teenage frozen in time for you to look back on for inspiration later. Like I've mentioned this before, but I have like a my childhood computer because my dad works in IT, so I got like a hand-me-down computer that I had in my bedroom as a teen, and like there's still all these MSN chat logs on there of just all these embarrassing conversations I had with my my anime group friends and like <laughs> all of that. But like especially going into like the next generation who's like always online, having all of this potential research material to turn around and maybe their personal games will blow us out of the water someday. I think that it's all of our uh, mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. I think all of our listeners should know that the next GDC podcast is just going to be uh, Alyssa reading out all of her <laughs> MSN chat logs. About, about uh, anime. It'll be me talking about all the fan fiction I wrote with friends that I will never <laughs> give yeah. usernames for under penalty of death. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, we're going to take Nina's advice and be we're just going to really you know get get personal here. We're going to. <laughs> <laughs> talk about all of those things uh yeah i, I don't even know where to go from there <laughs> i'm just dwelling on like all the embarrassing like any yasha fan fiction i like made in the sims one back in the day and like oh, oh, oh. yeah no i think that i think that it would i think it would be good actually yeah uh, so but video game. back to nina's game <laughs> yeah like we met in may is just like and stuff like sybil and um is uh and and how do you do it they're they they drill down so deep into a certain emotion that 
yeah, it's just it's just pure pure focus and pure honesty and pure authenticity and yeah. I just uh, I really admire that. You just don't really, see that so often. It's really interesting to like hear how both those two games in particular evolved from jam games because it was a memory and a concept mm. that started as a small thing and then once the weekend session was done, it was able to like expand and evolve. And I feel like it's the reason I asked about uh, how many game jams she'd done to date is because like you can do a million, you can have a million ideas and try a million prototypes and stuff like that. And they're not always going to work out, but then the ones that stick and the ones that you focus on and then you land on can evolve into these really evocative and cool things like a lot of her games have. Yeah, and the the autobiographical nature of these, it just kind of, it, you know, it, it blows my mind because uh, I was talking to you earlier for prep on this, uh, just. For, for me, I just bury uh, all of my autobiographical things or all of the viewpoints that I might have or feelings I might have in uh, like robot metaphors. <laughs> I'm also a coward who hides behind metaphors. So <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Yeah. So and then with her, it's kind of like, well, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I used to jam uh, plastic dolls together, to try to figure out how, how sex worked. And, Which uh, is relatable because, like, right. I, I also had that memory as a kid with, like, Barbies in the basement, like, being like, yep. oh, this is what I saw on the, the TV show. And then I would also have them, like, ride dinosaurs. So, like, uh-huh. it was all this exploration of possibilities of life. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with it, that. No, but. I mean, but but you're right, though. Um, the things that we as human beings, um, you know, we're uh, kind of ashamed to talk about or too shy mm-hmm. to talk about it. Um that's what's good, I think, about Nina's games, like like how we met in May, like talking about like the the awkward, cute, fun um, absurdity of a new relationship, mm-hmm. um, th- things like that. Because everything, you, like we're not as individual people as unique as we think we are. You know, yeah. we we all have these experiences that are um, that each of us can relate to. Yeah, even if it's not something that people are prone to talking about, using like creating a game on that concept is makes it easier to discuss that, like in the lighthearted way, with uh, oh, the, what's the how do you, how do you do it? Yeah, 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 in a lighthearted way with that one. But then I also played uh, her freshman year game, which is uh, the the game she was talking about about sexual assault, where mm. your character goes out to a club trying to meet up with a friend the friend's not replying to her text messages and then the bouncer starts hitting on her and the situation spirals but like even that one was like evocative of like real experiences that can be tough to talk about but using a game to kind of like share that and be like no other people go through that it's just it's really I don't know it's interesting and it's kind of like freeing in a way to just see these experiences play out on this mass stage that everyone can discuss yeah and it, and it helps people it helps people you know feel less alone mm-hmm. so that's a good thing She's yeah. doing the Lord's work, that Nina Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I think that I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For for number three, um, yeah, we're still pretty new at this. Uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad. We should have asked Nina to plug her games uh, where you can find oh, them. Oh yeah. Oh, we should do ones. that. We should do that. You can. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Nina says so. Nina says dot so would Nina be the website where you can find her so. independent work. And she's yeah. also working at Tacoma Developer Fulbright currently. So Yeah. She has so many games and so many of them, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can, you can download for, uh, you know, for free or like a small, do- a small donation too, or a large donation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Listeners, no. give Nina a large donation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Chris Graft. I'm Alyssa McAloon. And uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe and to rate our review if you love us. Uh, give us give us them five stars. That helps a lot. And uh, say something nice about us. So uh, thanks, everyone. And we will see you next time. Bye.